And you have to understand, and I have to understand, we all do, that we are, as saved people, we're in Romans 6, we are under the grace of God, we are saved by the grace of God. And in Ephesians chapter 1, you're familiar with this passage of Scripture. Watch what it says in verse number 6. To the uh, Well, verse 5, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, we're adopted by, by Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, Watch this, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Because before we were saved, we weren't accepted. We were enemies of God and not accepted. You have to get a hold of this fact that that is your standing before God. And that standing of you and I as believers being accepted in the beloved, it does not change. You don't have a bad day and then somehow go on probation. You are accepted in the beloved. Now, some of your behavior might be accept, might not be acceptable to God. But your standing before him is all about his grace. Not your ability to keep yourself 100% without sin. Because you know what? You can't. And I can't. Right. And this idea that people have, that well, you can be saved, but you can lose it. If that were true, then we've all lost it. <laughs> it's a horrible thought. Then you got to start categorizing sin. Well, these really, really bad sins are the sins that I don't do that I've seen you do. If you do those, you can lose your salvation. But since I don't do those sins, I, you know, there's not a chance of me losing my. And you have to start categorizing sins. Where, where do you get that from? Roman Catholicism is where you get it from. Mortal sins, venial sins, all this kind of nonsense. We don't have that. In, we don't have that in Christianity. You're accepted in the beloved. You're under grace. God's grace saved you. God's grace keeps you. God's grace is going to glorify your body. It's all his grace. Go to Colossians 3. Man under grace. Watch what it says in verse number 3. Uh, For ye are dead and your life is hid. I said hid. With Christ in God. Now, isn't that, isn't that something? Well, what about my past life? What about my past sins? It doesn't exist. It only exists in your mind. <laughs> when you sin, yes, there's consequences down here on earth. Sure. That's why we say don't sin. You're not going to go uh, rob the bank downtown and then get arrested and go before the judge and say, well, judge, I'm saved. He's going to say, great, but right now you're going to jail, okay? Look, there's consequences. But your past life, my past life, 
It doesn't exist. We are hid in Christ. And that's a blessing. That's where my life is hid. That's where your life is hid with Christ in God. And we are accepted in the beloved. How does all that happen? God's grace. We serve a gracious God. Christianity is different from every other belief system and philosophy because of grace. And if someone leaves out grace, they're about as lost as they can be. So uh, you better be listening for grace when you witness to somebody. Hebrews 13. Well, don't you think he'll take it back? No. <laughs> Hebrews 13 verse number Verse number five, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. So the cure for covetousness is contentment. Okay, if we're, if we're content with what we have, then we're not going to covet. But here's the verse, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know why he won't ever leave you or forsake you? Because of his grace. A spouse might be unfaithful. A friend might be unfaithful. A co-worker might be unfaithful. Not God. He will never leave you or forsake you. Because he's a God of grace. We cannot put God in the category or the box that we put the people in our lives down here on earth that have forsaken us. That is not who God is. He will never leave you or forsake you. And his, his, his grace is not dependent on your do's and do nots. It's independent of all that. He's a gracious God. Well, what if someone fails God? Like you and I haven't failed God. <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't ask that question as if we've never failed God. Because all of us have failed God. But that's not great. That's not God's grace. That's our shortcomings. That's our problems. Not God's problem. Go to 1 Corinthians 5 because uh, God gives us the answer to that. 1 Corinthians 5. First Corinthians 5, verse number 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Awful, awful things. Horrible things. Uh, this is written to a Corinthian church, by the way. These are brethren and sistren. That's horrible. Awful, vile sin. Verse 2, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Because you don't want someone in your flock that's going to 
hurt somebody else with that type of sin. So you need to get them out. Not because you're mean, but because you want to protect the other sheep. Or the whole flock is at risk of being damaged. Watch what it says in verse 3. For verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan. Watch this. For the destruction of the what? Flesh. Not his soul. It's got nothing to do with his soul. The destruction of the flesh. Watch it. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. No, you're not. But a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So what does that mean? It means when you fail horribly in this type of situation, you lose the privilege of being, being able to fellowship with a local assembly of believers. But you don't lose your salvation. If you were to leave this local assembly, you don't leave the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't leave his body. You leave the gathering of his people together. Because of this type of sin. And you've destroyed your flesh. If you get involved with that with somebody else, you destroy their flesh. But if you've trusted Christ, his grace is keeping you. Well, that doesn't seem fair. It only doesn't seem fair because you haven't done a sin that vile or wicked. But you have done sin since you've gotten saved and God's grace keeps you. The same way God's grace keeps a vile fornicator. As horrible it is to talk about these things, they happen. It was happening in the Corinthian church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. We get another, another picture. This Corinthian church was a mess. 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time here. We already preached through the whole chapter. Earlier in the year, but verse 31, it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with who? With the world. You see, as a believer, God's grace saved us. Now there is uh, now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Are you in Christ? You're not condemned in Christ. There's no condemnation for you or for me. Why? Because of his grace. So, you know, what this verse is talking about you could be condemned with the world. Look at the verse number 31. You want to judge yourselves so you should not be judged. You know why it's a good idea? We were talking about the young people being out in public and keeping their conduct up to par. You judge yourself and you ask yourself, hey, am I acting like a Christian ought to act? You judge yourself. 
You know why? Because when you're out in public, the world is going to judge you. So you're better off just judging yourself, taking care of the matter with yourself. Why? Because if not, someone's going to say, you're supposed to be a Christian and you're drinking that. You're supposed to be a Christian and you're acting like that. The world's going to judge you. You might as well start with judging yourself first. For if, uh, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. That's a good thing to be chastened by God. It means he loves you and you're his child that we should not be condemned with the world. Okay. So it's a world, it's a world uh, condemnation, not an in Christ condemnation. No condemnation in Christ. Guess what? Down here, you're going to have some condemnation. You start fussing and fighting and acting like a knucklehead. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to be doing that. That's man under grace. Now, go to Acts 15. We'll look at our attitude toward grace. Acts 15. And the problem arose here. Verse number one, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. My, my, my. What's that? Legalism, law, works to be saved. I did something that you didn't do. And so therefore, that's all that is. That's religion. Watch what we have down at verse 6. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And there had been much disputing. Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and what? Believe. You hear the word and you don't go out and get yourself circumcised. You hear the word, you don't go out and get yourself dunked in a body of water. You hear the word and you believe. And then after that, you get yourself immersed in a, in a body of water. You hear the word, you believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. See that? God gives it. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke Upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Here's the verse. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. You know what the answer is to the circumcision and that yoke of bondage around your neck? Grace. And every time somebody tries to get you to add something, it's not grace. Grace is what it says in verse number 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. It really should bring a humbling sense. That's what grace does. A humbling sense of your own unworthiness. An unhumbled man will be offended at grace. The reason being is because when you tell him, look, salvation is by grace. The reason he is offended is because it takes away. He can't do anything. So he's offended at that. 
You mean I can't be me and show God how good I am? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And he is offended at that. Grace offends a lost person. A prideful lost person. This is why we're looking to soften their hearts and God's grace and his goodness and his mercy and the, and the moving of the Holy Spirit should do that. You see a humble man, he's ready for grace. You see a proud man, back off grace a little bit. Start slamming sin, God's wrath, the law. Showing him himself in the mirror of God's law. You start to see him humble himself just a little bit. Give God's grace. You start to see him bow up, and, you know, get stiff neck, back off of the grace, go after, go straight, go straight to the law. You're not humble. You want, you want the earned reward. I earned this. I did this. The um, unhumbled man has to make a distinction between you and him. He has to do that. And grace covers a multitude of sins. Grace, God gives and extends and offers to everyone, whosoever will. But the unhumbled man wants to make that distinction. I'm me and you are you. And I have to draw that distinction because I've got to show you how good I am. I've got an earned reward. And that's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Paul said in Philippians 3, have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in your flesh. How else are you going to go out and witness for the Lord? You put confidence in yourself. I put confidence in myself. We go out there with self-confidence. It might be okay for a short term, but eventually that's going to be a crash and burn deal because we'll blow it every single time. We are going out with grace in our hearts, trusting God to use us as unworthy as we are. That's what we're trusting. God's grace. So that's man under grace. That's our attitude toward God concerning grace. Uh, we should testify as Christians of God's goodness. And I'd like to do a little trip through the book of Psalms uh, this evening. I think it is really good to look at these passages. We're going to do so tonight. Psalm 25. Let's testify of God's goodness. Psalm 25, verse number six. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been of they have been ever of old. 
Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. I'm not looking to tell children to be good for goodness' sake. Be good for goodness' sake. No, sorry, Santa, you're wrong. I want to remember me thou for thy goodness' sake. God is so good. Let's testify. Of his goodness. Psalm 25. Look at verse uh, number 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. That means we need to get out of the way. <laughs> I know we're out there. I know we're doing something for God. But if we do something for God. We got we to get out of the way. <laughs> it's just knowing God is good. The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek. Will he teach his way? All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, and such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. God is good and upright. Psalm 27, verse number, verse number 13. David's psalm here, I had fainted. And if you had enemies like David, you'd feel like fainting too. <laughs> here, uh, Brother Norton talking about some of the things he ran into uh, in his missionary uh, excursions. Horrible things. I'd like to think I know what I would do if radical Islam knocked on my door and threatened my family. But until that happens to you, come on. You got to admit, we don't have to deal with that. At least not yet. It says, I had fainted, verse 13, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Well, what does that mean? We want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know why? Because Christians, we expect, well, yeah, we're going to go to heaven. We're going to be with the Lord, and that's the land, and we can't wait to get there, the, you know, the promised land. We're pilgrims passing through, and so we get the idea it's going to be good when we get to heaven. But sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is good in the land of living. Right down here on earth, we can experience his goodness. Let's not lose sight of that. He's good. And we should and can experience his goodness here. Yes, we're going to see it manifested so much the more in eternity. But as we live down here, especially as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can experience God's goodness in the land of the living. Psalm 31. Look at verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. I don't have a problem fearing God and trusting God. He's good. He's good. I've got a healthy, reverent fear of God. The same way a son that loves his father or a daughter that loves her father and mother doesn't want to do anything that would bring shame or reproach to their name. They have a fear of that. They don't want to do that. And can I say as a church family tonight, we should have some healthy, respectful fear for God that 
we would be fearful that we would do something to cause our testimony to bring reproach to the name of Christ. I'm telling you, these Christians that think it's okay to just go ahead out and drink and do all this stuff, and they say, yeah, I'm saved by grace. Man, just stop talking like that. Just zip it. To me, that's an irreverent way to even speak about God. I don't even like talking about it because it's like this oxymoron, a carnal Christian. It's like, it don't, it don't make sense. Some people say it doesn't exist. But we know it does because 1 Corinthians is chock full of it. Carnality in Christian people. My prayer is that that's not the road we go down. Look at Psalm 34. We all know this one. Verse number eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Man, we got a taste of how good the Lord was today. It's just a blessing. I was up on the. Uh, uh, Brother Derek's driving the, uh, the van. Sister Jada's driving shotgun and they're just, you know, waving and making sure they don't run anybody over out the, you know, and, and uh, all the kids and, and, and the adults are out on the sides. And I stayed on the, on the, on the float of the trailer and I was the track refueler. So anytime that the youngins needed tracks, I'm there to give it to them and adults need tracks and just keep keeping them going. But I got a good view from being up there. I can see all the kids and make sure they're safe. So it's kind of good to have double eyeballs when you have uh, all that people, that amount of people out in public. But just to see the happy faces and see everybody receptive to taking the tracks, man, that's just a part of tasting and seeing that the Lord is just good. You know who did that? God did. Yes. God did it. And we want to give glory to God. And everybody played a different role and a different part in it. But God did it. God did it. And happy to be used by him. Go to Psalm 77. Verse number 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Let's do that this week. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doing. A lot of things we can meditate upon. A lot of things we can talk about. I'm not saying don't have interests and don't have hobbies and don't have things that you enjoy doing. I believe God would have us to have those things in our life. But properly placed in, in the right perspective. Do we meditate and talk of his doings? That's the question. I believe we do. Let's try to do it more this week. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary who is so great a God is our God. Verse 14, thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Anybody want to answer the question? Who is so great a God is our God? Nobody else. He, our God is it. Our God is it. Go over to Psalms 84. 
Verse number 11, Psalms 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold for them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. You know, there's some things in the Christian life where you can't guard against, you can't shield against. And God steps in as the shield and protects you. If you try to just get a Bible-believing church going or be part of a Bible-believing church, you are not going to be able to shield everything. But I trust in God. And as much as I try to have my eyeballs on everything, and as much as some of the men of this church try to do diligent in knowing everything that's going on so we don't lose sight of something and be irresponsible or negligent, as diligent as we try to do on that, you know what we are? Weak men. I really believe God's going to step in for those that trust him. I truly believe this. He is going to step in and he is going to shield us when we need the shield of protection. He's going to see it. and He's going to put up the shield. Because he's good and he's gracious. I don't think we should be irresponsible and, and negligent as a habit. But as diligent as we try to be, it's it's fallible diligence. <laughs> it is. Psalms 103. Just testifying to God's goodness and his grace tonight. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. That's a good reason to bless the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed. Like the eagles. I'm telling you. God is good. Bless his holy name. Why? He forgiveth. He redeemeth. He crowneth. And he satisfieth. Well, the King James Bible is too hard to understand. Well, understand this. E-T-H. You know what that ending means? Continual. And it's not a one-time shot. And then if it wears out, you're done. No. Forgiveth continually. Redeemeth. Crowneth. Satisfieth. His benefits are always there being reproduced and replicated over and over in our life. You're not just saved by grace and that's it for grace. No. You live by grace. He strengthens you by his grace. He restores you by his grace. He redeems your mind when it needs to be redeemed over something by his grace because he's so good. Praise his name. Let's give him some praise. Psalms 107. Verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Your enemy was sin. Sin brought death. Have you been redeemed? 
then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He is good. He is good. Give thanks unto him. Psalms 119. Let's do a few more. Testifying to the Lord's goodness. Psalm 119. How about we go to verse 68? Real simple. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. <laughs> oh, that's easy. That's easy. Why do you want to know what the Lord wants for your life? Simply because he's good and doest good. Teach me, Lord. Show me, Lord. For no other reason that you're just so good. You're just so good. Are you a good person? No, but the Lord is. Let's give him praise. <coughs> All right, two more. Psalms 145. Psalms 145, verse number 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And that's a blessing because all our ways, we don't do things right all the time. I pray a lot, just like I'm sure you do, and especially before teaching or preaching or opening up the word of God. I don't want to take it lightly. Lord, help me to tell the truth. Sometimes we just open our Bible and start opening our mouth. <laughs> did, did, did God show up? <laughs> we got to be careful. We got to be careful. He's right in all his ways. He's holy in all his works. Finally, look at verse number eight, Psalm 145. Lord is gracious. There it is. Full of compassion, slow to anger. And of great mercy. Can you do that this week? Can you be gracious? Can I do that this week? Can I be full of compassion? Slow to anger? You know, on the people and the things and the situations that just light your fuse. <laughs> Woo! That's, that'll preach. And of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works should we try to model that is he good to all that kind of answers the question of well can i just be good to the ones that can i just be compassionate to the ones that are no all that means the person that you're dreading meeting tomorrow at work or whatever the situation is be good to them why because god's been so good to you God's been so gracious to you. If you're like me, sometimes the people that wear you out, now I don't have to deal with this much anymore. I mean, but I'll tell you, when I was working and running all these tournaments and having to travel and go, and you be all you, you got to deal with people at airports, you got to deal with people that are, are, are you know, these Uber drivers, you got to deal with venue people, you got to deal with uh, disgruntled people and, and, and people are upset about this upset at that i'll tell you there's been days where you just want to just really be mean to people god's good he's gracious how about we do that let's show compassion let's show compassion we good
Got a few more verses. You ready? All right, we'll close it out. A few more. Uh, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but God's chastening hand shows that he loves you. And Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You know why we chasten our children? Because we love them. You know why God chasten, chastens us as his children? He loves us. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. I chasten my children because I love them. God chastens us because he loves us. And you know what under grace is? Under grace, our burden isn't for us to somehow muster up enough goodness to present it to God. No, we are under grace. Our burden is for lost souls that they would receive God's grace. Here's what grace should teach all of us. First off, this idea that I hope to be better is a misnomer. You're as good as you can be. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. Now, you want to serve him more? Great. But the idea of being better before God, presenting yourself somehow worthy. No, no you're in Christ. That's grace. That's what it should teach you. Redemption that is in Christ. No condemnation to them that which are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8.38 Nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. We are one body in Christ. We are sanctified in Christ. You are wise in Christ. In Christ shall all be made alive. Your triumph in Christ. If any man be in Christ he is a new creature. All one in Christ. Let's give him praise tonight. There's a few more that, that talks about us being in Christ. We have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Guess where? In Christ. We are created in Christ. We rejoice in Christ. I press toward the mark of the high call for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Salute every saint in Christ. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ. Live godly in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says this. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. Sometimes the reason we're disappointed in ourselves is because we believed in ourselves. <laughs> One preacher stole a quote from someone, and the quote was this. I'm going to steal it. He said this, believe in yourself, because everyone else thinks you're an idiot. <laughs> now, there's some truth to that. A lot of times we get disappointed in ourselves because we put too much confidence in ourselves. I'm telling you, constant discouragement is a sign of unbelief. I get discouraged at times. And I got to tell you, some of the times it's because I've just not trusted God enough. I understand we all go through times of discouragement and all that. I understand, I understand we get disappointed in ourselves. You know, I wish we'd done this and I didn't. I know those feelings are there. I'm not trying to take those away. But some of the time it's just because we don't really 
get a hold of God's grace. Pridefulness is just a form of blindness. A few last thoughts and we'll close out. Devotion to serve and to live for Jesus Christ doesn't come from your own will and my own self-will. God's grace. You have Christ living in you. It's not your will trying to get this stuff done and then just having a mental ascent to, yeah, I know I'm saved by grace. His grace is ever present with you. I'm talking about grace tonight. And us getting a hold of it. You know what law did? Law made man's blessing from God dependent on devotion. That's how the Jews were blessed in the Old Testament. Now, they did receive spiritual blessings from God, but that law was connected to physical blessings that they would receive by obeying it. And their devotion to that law wrought them the physical blessings that God said he would give them if they obeyed. And when they disobeyed, we can just go through countless situations of what happened to them. But grace is different. Grace gives man the undeserved blessing first. And then our devotion follows because of our gratefulness and thankfulness because of God's grace. And you know what? We can probably all say amen to this. After we have been blessed by God's grace, we have to admit. Our devotion to him is nowhere close equal in proportion to the grace that he gave us. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that something? Law. Your devotion merits you blessing. Grace. The blessing is given first. Our devotion follows out of a thankful heart because of what has been given to us. Let us all get a hold of grace.